And I'm blessed to be here with you guys. And I'm standing, I believe, in the midst of fulfillment. Um, and I say that because I will start with my daughter. You all know her, Temi. And I say that because when she was born, I hope for this day. I hope for this day whereby she will serve in the house of God. With her. From when she was young, my prayer has always been, just put your love in her heart, Lord, so that she loves you so much and she understands your love. And I say that because I started full-time ministry here just before I was 21. And I dropped everything and said, this is what I want to do. I was a socialite. My dad was a police commissioner trained in this country. And then you were born into wealth. You were guarded to school. It was royalty. We're royal. That's my name. That's what I know. And then God strips everything off because you need to die to all of that. And as a 20-year-old, that's not what you want to do. But I decided that's what I want to do, follow God. And I'm saying that because I see a lot of young people here. But I'm in my 50s. And if you are in your 50s as well, I'm also speaking to you this morning. Because it's not how old you are, it's how new you are. I stopped using how old am I. I keep, I keep saying to myself, how new am I? And I say that because I say I'm standing in fulfillment because seeing... God, Tammy's been away for eight years. Three years in Cardiff, missed her badly. Then suddenly, Lester took her away for another five years. So you don't know how glad I am that Wally, you guys have brought her back to London. <laughs> and also work has brought her back. And I say that because I also speak about you, Wally, as well, because you remind me so much of me. And I'm happy that your topic is boldness because you couldn't do what God is asking you to do without boldness. And I had to step into places whereby it was almost impossible for you to step into. I wasn't born here. Yes, Timmy's mom was born here, but I wasn't. So I came here 20 years old and I've been doing this now for over 32 years over three decades of doing the same thing and seeing God move. I've had to face so many things as a young person like you. But I say I'm standing in fulfillment because I see what God is doing through you and imprint and the leadership you have here. And it's what people like me have prayed for for years. That God, you will begin to raise the next army that will take on from where we will live and even do greater than we will do. But I'm going to challenge you today because you sang a song earlier on that heaven shall come down on earth. And many people have forgotten that the reason God sent us to this earth is not that we come here and vacate earth back to heaven. I see too many Christians who are so heavenly bound, they are utterly useless. 
God didn't send you here to vacate here. He sent you here to invade this place with the culture of heaven. So if you, if, if you want heaven somewhat, maybe you need to go quick. Because that's not why he sent you here. That's the ultimate reward. But while you're here, you are in this world, but not of this world. Jesus did not say God should take you out of this world. He said he should keep you here, but keep you from the what? From the evil. You have a job to do. You have a work to do. There are people whose life cannot be fulfilled except you are revealed. They are waiting for you to be revealed. The revealing on John the Baptist was a fulfilling of Jesus. And the revealing of Jesus was a fulfilling of the apostles. And the revealing of the apostles was a fulfilling of you and I. Somebody is waiting for you desperately. Immediately you can see, if you're used to me, maybe tell me is that I don't always follow my slides. The world you're living in, I'll show you some pictures, is quite complex and complicated. You're living in an era that I call the new normal. Romans 10, 1 to 3 talks about a people who have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. But so that to justify their zeal, the Bible says they began to create their own righteousness and ignore the righteousness of God. When you have zeal for something, but you don't have knowledge of what it is, it's a very bad thing. You have zeal for love, then understand the knowledge of love. You have zeal for sexuality and rumors, understand the knowledge of it. When you understand the knowledge of it, then you can walk within the confines of the knowledge and the righteousness God created for it. When you don't, because you want to justify your zeal for it, you begin to create yours. And whether it's different religions or different practices, the same thing is happening all over the world or lifestyles. People have a zeal for something, but not according to knowledge. And what are they feeding us with now? Because they want to justify the zeal, they are creating their own righteousness. But God has called you to come here to invade this earth and society with the culture of heaven. Why? Because he paid a price. Your next song. He gave the best of what he has for the best of what he created. The best of what he had was his son. The best of what he created is you and I. He loved the world so much, but he had to show with substance that he appreciates you. Not just words. And the first boldness I want to start with you this evening is, I'm going to focus on you as a person. You have to appreciate who you are and who God has made you to be. You have no business blaming anyone for not appreciating you when you don't appreciate yourself. You have no business trying to be part of somebody's brand when you don't appreciate your own brand. Every single one of you, you're uniquely created by God. There is no two of you. God spent so much time creating you, designing you, and a storybook was opened for you. 
that storybook has different chapters and you're walking through those chapters now. In your time and space, no one is like you. And that is a major investment that the almighty God sat down, thought you through, formed you, your organs, everything, your journey. God spent such a time on you, great investment. That's why at the end of the day, they're going to bring those books out again, as it says in Revelation. For what? They're going to check whether everything in your storybook, you fulfilled it. He's the greatest investor. He's waiting for his ROI, the return on his investment. And so you've got to stop condemning, looking down on yourself and feeling sorry for yourself and begin to appreciate the life that he has given you. Let me tell you something, friends. Your physical body is just a house. That is not who you are. This physical body, that's not you. That's why when you die, it decays. It's a temporal house. Your real person is, man is a spirit in a physical body. Now there are two individuals in this body. You as man, a spirit, and the Holy Spirit, because now you are in Christ. That spirit that we are is the same. In the eyes of God. And oftentimes we always want to kill ourselves because our physical houses don't look alike. You want your physical house to look like hers or his. Stop it. Appreciate what you've done. I'll give you my first slide. Appreciation without substantiation is depreciation. <laughs> you following with me? If you're ever going to appreciate yourself or appreciate someone for goodness sake, do it with substance. Who taught you and gave you that example? God himself. He was so bold that he created, can you imagine what God did? God creates the whole of the universe. The beautiful earth, he created everything. And then he calls on man and says to you, I put you in charge of it all. Do you know what that talks about, you and I? We talk about us having confidence in God. God has great confidence in man. He has great confidence in you, that he was, was willing to make you in his likeness. And then create all those things and says, you take charge of it. Call it what you want. Dominate it, subdue it, replenish it, come on church. If God has so much confidence in you, why are you bothered about somebody next door? Who, who cares what they think about you? The only person that matters has great confidence in you. In every single one of you, there is, my God, the DNA. The DNA to be the best you can be. That's why he has so much confidence that the best he had was Jesus Christ. And he was ready to sacrifice him for the best that he created. He wanted to show you that if I appreciate you, I'll deal with substance. But today we tell people we appreciate them. 
but we don't show those options. When you do that, you depreciate them. If you love me, for goodness sake, show it with substance. If you value me, then let me see it with substance. Otherwise, please stop it. Next slide. If you lack confidence in who you are, who you are not will confide you. You're talking about boldness. The world that you're living in today needs you to be able to step up and step in. God is not looking for you to have everything in place. No, he just needs you to be in place. Can I repeat that to you? Too many times, Wally, if you were waiting for everything to be in place, imprint will not be in London. If you're waiting for everything to be in place, imprint will not be in Leicester. No, he does, he's a God of details, but he never gives you the full details. He gives it to you on a need-to-know basis. I can tell you about that. I've been doing it for 32 years. All he needs is you be in place, and I'll put everything what in place. Where you are here, right in this place, is just the beginning of the journey. You haven't seen anything yet. But you have to be able to have confidence in who you are. When I give you this, it's because I see too many people, this is who they are. Because they don't appreciate who they are, they are not taking care of themselves. Because they don't like themselves. They hate themselves or they look down on themselves, so they're not caring for this self. All their energy is in who they are not. And now they are trying very hard to be who they are not. And then they get stuck where? In the middle. Because you don't have what, who you are not. And then who you are is deteriorating. When that happens to you, you know what, what I, how I interpret that is that if you are not content with what you have, what you do not have will contend you. You must say, look, when I started, I don't know about you, I was born into wealth. I was born into wealth. When I came into this country, it was suffering. My sister studied here in the 70s and my cousins, and they had chauffeurs taking them to school. I don't go in the double-decker bus. That was degrading where I was coming from. I'm, I'm being real with you. Now, when God strips you of that, because he wants to use you. And you begin to sell flowers on the streets of London and the UK in the 80s. Man, I have to say one day, Lord, I'm not the only one that killed Jesus. Come on. It's all of us. How come, why am I going through this? Because it was so demeaning for me. But what was he trying to do? He was trying to strip me of those things I had confidence in so that I can have confidence in him and who he has called me to be. And those things made me now have confidence in who God has called me to be. 
and stop relying on my parents' influence and affluence. And when I got to that place, I learned to be content with whatever I had. When I had to sleep in a borrowed room in the 80s, and that was all I had, that borrowed room was my palace. You might have your own huge mansion. That room that was my space was my palace. And believe me, I lived in it like a king. And I'm telling you true, it's all here. As a man thinks, so he is. I say that because Christian Concern, Christian Legal Center is a work. Fifteen years ago, the Lord bathed through myself and Andrea. And at the time, I didn't understand the fullness of what God was doing, but today I do. And he, like typical, he didn't give us the full details. Little or no money. All we had to do was be in place. You're talking about boldness. You have to get to the boldness whereby you stop seeing trusting God as a burden. You see trusting God as something you enjoy. The problem today is that too many of us call ourselves Christians and we shout the name of the Lord, but trusting him and having faith in him is a burden. Not enjoying. God did not call you to trust him as a burden. He called you to trust him with enjoyment. Enjoy trusting God. And when we started, people laughed at us. But that doesn't bother me. That's the other thing I'll say to you. For goodness sake, stop living your life based on what people say about you. Live your life based on what God says about you. They called Jesus names. Did it bother him? They called him all manners of things that he was not. It didn't bother him. He just continued to do and be who the Father has called. Boldness is you seeing yourself how God sees you. There are many things in your life that you will affiliate and associate with but they don't define you. Let me give you this. Wally, your surname is Agbaje, right? Wally, you are deeply and closely associated with the Agbaje family but it does not define you. Whatever your family name is, you are associated with it but it does not define you. You, are, you might have had failures in your life but it does not define you. You might have had riches, but it does not define you. John the Baptist was so associated to Jesus, but it did not define who he was. Gideon was in a hopeless situation. Very hopeless situation. You know the guy called Gideon? If you read the story in the Bible with Judges, he was just in a mess. And how are you in a mess? And that's all you see. And you expect God to come and say, what a messy person you are, Gideon. Look at the state of you. And then God comes and meets you in a mess. A terrible situation. And then he says, mighty man of valor. And then Gideon looks back and says, I don't think God can be drunk, but he must be drunk. 
And it's just, the thing was, how can I be in this state? And we are all in this state, and you call me mighty man of valor? No, something is wrong. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God always sees you the way he defines you. No matter what life throws at you, he still sees you the way he defines you. You know why? He never made a mistake when he defined you. You are not a coincidence. You are a God incident. You are not a mistake. You see, life might be full of choices, but life is not a chance. You are not a chance. You are chosen. You are special. Jesus identified with sin, but did sin define him? He identified with crucifixion, persecution. He identified with being sentenced to the highest sentence in the law court, death. But how was he defined? Son of God, King of kings. It didn't matter what he went through, God always saw him the way he defined him. He sees you the way he defines you. The community and this country where most of you are, there is a fight for the soul of this nation. I want to wake you up to some reality. There is a battle for the soul of this nation. And who do you think God is looking out to help him and work with him? It's not parliament. No. It's not the mayor's office. They are key places, but he's looking to his church. We are the people he's looking to. Any nation is a reflection of the church within it or the lack of it. What you see today in the UK is a reflection of what our church has become. When we align ourselves with God, the nation will fall in alignment. When the Bible tells you that righteousness exalts the nation and sin is a reproach to any people, have you ever asked yourself the question, who then are those to bring about the righteousness that exalts the nation? It is you and I. In Corinthians, he says, we have become the righteousness of who? Of God. God doesn't want you. He needs you. And these are the things I had to wake up to that gave me boldness. And at times, some people might think that that boldness is arrogance. It's not. It's just that I'm so at peace and confident because the one who sends me, listen, if it is God's will, he will foot the bill. He always does. So I'm taking you back again. One of the greatest boldness you can ever have is to be always in obedience to God. Let me tell you something else. I enjoy influence. And one day the Lord said to me, son, the problem in your generation is that you have too many prominent leaders but not influential. There are many leaders that you know but they have little or no influence. They know how to use the media to make themselves prominent but little influence. A popular madman. What influence does he have? You guys are not understanding here. Where I come from in Nigeria, there are streets and communities that there are mad people 
And everybody knows the madman. He's so prominent, but he's a madman. Anybody ever heard of Eddie the Eagle? Ah, you guys are too young. Eddie the Eagle went to represent Great Britain. You know, that's winter spots where you fly with your skates from top and go down. The worst representative ever. How they even got him to go to Olympics, it was, it was ridiculous. The moment he took off, he dropped. He had no skills and he went there. It was, he became such a prominent failure. A prominent failure that he was so ridiculous that they were giving him adverts to promote his failure. I'm trying to tell you something. Don't chase after prominence. Boldness requires you to chase after influence. When you are influential, prominence chases you. Every single one of you in this country as a child of God, you are primed to minister to this country one way or the other. Whatever sphere God has given you, you are primed to minister to it. Don't try and be like me, please. Try and be who God wants you to be. I might be primed to do what I'm doing and have that huge sphere. All God wants is, if he, all he's giving you is within a small community and rural area, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the same penny that you will receive is the same penny I will receive. Because success to God is just doing what he has asked you to do. So quit complaining. Lord, I've been doing it for nine hours. So? He's just been doing it for three hours. So? That's what I gave him. That's what I gave you. At the end of the day, if you do it, you all get the same. So quit competing. Boldness to do what you are doing requires you as a child of God to realize God did not create his children to compete. He said to me very clearly, he said, son, I do not call you to compete, but to complete. And when you complete, you deplete the enemy. Acts 20, 24, Paul was the one who said that. He said, they have just told me that my next assignment, prison and hardship awaits me. And Paul said, I care nothing for my life than to finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me. Are you hearing me? When we begin to complete each other, then we will deplete the enemy. I haven't got time to compete. There's no point. I have no energy for it. I was never created and saved by Christ. How can I compete with you? If you're, if you're succeeding, your success is mine. It is the same agenda. We are all in the same kingdom agenda. Why will God now give us assignments that compete with each other? No, it's we. We've got it wrong. God's children don't compete with each other. They complement. When you understand these things, boldness rises out of you. Because you are acting from the place of knowledge. You know and you know. You never know the opportunity that you have. You might say you're young right now. I beg you. The opportunity of a lifetime must be grasped within the lifetime of the opportunity. I beg you, never forget that. At times when it's gone, 
it can never be recovered. So take it boldly. You're so precious. How dare somebody look at you and say, because you don't look like that person. You're not hench like that person. You're not tall like that person. You're not this like that person. Who cares? I am me and I am proud of me. I might be a work in progress, but I am proud of me. No, stop it, because I'm seeing too many young people in mental homes. They are not confident and bold of who they are. They want to be somebody else, and then before you know it, they start having all these food disorders. It hurts me because I have to go and fight to get them out. And it's all because of what has gone into their head. Ladies, why, why do you care if a guy doesn't fancy you? Forget it, man. If your beauty, here, let me say something. If your beauty is not in his eyes, there's nothing. So what? When the one who has your beauty sees you, It doesn't matter how many guys have come and could not see it. It's because it's not in their eyes. When the one who beholds your beauty sees you, it's like, man, I'm going to die here. <laughs> so why are you bothered? Because no. Whoever God has created for you, what they, they can't see it because it's not given to them. And the same thing goes to you guys. Stop killing yourself because of that. The one who owns it, when he comes, is like, that's it. Sign off, straight away, sealed. And so you wait with what? With boldness. So feeling sorry. Well, he doesn't love me anymore, so what? There's one who has the greatest love. He loves you. I don't know where I am on the slide, sorry. <laughs> Let's give it the next one. And I must know what time I've got. What's the next slide? There is no perfect race, but a race for perfection. Why am I saying this? Because many of you condemn yourself because of your culture. Pastor, you don't understand. We Hispanics or Latinos or Jamaicans or Africans... We have so much standing against us. Who told you that? I came in here as a foreigner. I was 20. I had absolutely nothing. 32 years ago. And the places that God has taken me is the envy of billions. And I was just like you. I realize that it's nothing to do with the race or the color of your skin. It's about you waking every day to perfect yourself. To seek if there is imperfection, how I can perfect it. Martin Luther King, for those of you who are African and Caribbean, Martin Luther King did not do what he did because of the color of his skin. If he did it because of it, every single one of us that look like him, why aren't we doing what he has done? He was a man who woke up every day and saw that there was imperfection. 
and he lived to die to bring perfection where there was imperfection. Not a perfect race, but a race toward perfection. William Wilberforce, white indigenous MP who helped to abandon you know, slave trade. Not the color of his skin. He saw an imperfection. Again, he lived to die to bring what? Perfection. The so-called, I don't know if he's still the rich man, Bill Gates. Nah, he was even a dropout from school. But he realized that I need to perfect something for the world. And he woke up every day to do what? To pursue it. So please stop that race card that you play all the time. And you keep talking about all the negatives. There's so much positives around you. Someone said to me, you're a hopeless kid. My principal in school. I never forgot it. I was in year 10. If this is what hopeless is, I'll have more of it. What am I saying to you? Opinions don't change composition. The composition of who God has made you, people's opinion can't change it. The person can, who can change it most times is you. The day you stop believing and having confidence in who you are, there is a problem. What do I have next? You have been chosen, you have been called, you have been set apart for such a time as this. Please. If you can find the slide, Romans 8.19. It says, creation is waiting with what? Eagerness. For the revelation of who? They are crying out. They are crying out. What's your name, bro? Yes. They are crying out, Jesse, where are you, man? Somebody needs you badly. I'm telling you. Somebody's life depends on you stepping up. On you being revealed. Listen, if Wally and the leadership here did not step up, some of you won't be sitting here today. In your family, you are probably the one person that the Lord is looking to become the light that brings light to everybody else. You're here for a purpose. Next one. I'm not going to touch much on faith for the fight. I'll talk to you about Christian concern a bit, but I was going to give you so many slides about the reality of the country you're living in, but that's for another day. Today, I just want to inspire you to know that you're so unique and there's no other one like you. Stop looking down on yourself. Get up. Sometimes some of you will say, Pastor, you don't understand my background. It doesn't matter what your background is. Your back doesn't have to be on the ground. If you fall so many times, get up. That guy gave Tyson Fury a punch. Twice. 
And if you watch it, everybody thought he was dead. But they could not count him defeated because what? He got up. And defeat is never declared when you fall. It's when you refuse to do what? Get up. So no matter how many times society and life knocks you down, so long as you keep getting up, keep going, man. I have had knocks in life, but I get up. I get up, I keep going. Because as long as you keep getting up, it gets stronger. And so please, don't always look for the glory without the story. It is the story that authenticates the glory. If you have to wear the crown, you must first carry your cross. You must become so intimate with God to be able to do all these things I'm saying. Because your public ministry is a reflection of your private life with God. So you must spend time in the word. You must spend time praying. Because all of what I'm saying, that's where God helps you put it all together. Intimacy with Christ. You must come and fall in love with Christ over and over again. You know, I've always been praying for my daughter's I, was, I, must, I must be honest, I was selfish. I don't want them to leave home, but they got to get married. Yes, fathers are selfish, particularly your girls. You don't want them to go. So I used to pray and say, Lord, a little bit of time. Even particularly with Timmy, I said, she's been gone for eight years. Come on, let me enjoy a bit before she goes. But what am I saying is that the time comes that you're released. You need to fly. You need to go. But I like one thing that I read in her page once when she said, uh, is it a girl or a woman has to be so lost in God that a man has to go through God to find her? Woo! When I read that on her laptop cover, I said, well, okay, that's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> you don't need to go through me. You go, go through her God. And if you can go through her God, then you're game. So don't try and look for me when, I don't know, but let me, okay, let me not go there, in case you're looking. Don't look to me. You know where you have to look to? Uh-huh. Because if you pass God, who am I? Christian concern, you have a pack on your chairs. We do a lot of work. Many of you hear of cases in this country of Christians who are persecuted in the workplace, 95% of them we represent them pro bono. We do all those cases because we're trying to make Christians bold to stand. Our cases, we're always on the news. Tomorrow, Monday, we're in the news. Piers Morgan, Tuesday, all the time because we're not sitting on the fence. We speak gospel truth. We're not ashamed of it. And so the press come to us all the time. We fight cases. I, from, where do I want to start? Is it from the person who has the chain from the nurse to too many cases. The police, the magistrate, the doctor, we're representing everybody pro bono. But we also inform you about what is happening and how Christians should respond. So you've got a free pack on your table. All I need for you is, this is a form in front of it. If you can fill that form and give it to the young man at the back, Andrew, and that way we keep you informed about what is going on so that you are not lacking knowledge. You understand what is going on and you are able to respond accordingly. We have a Wilberforce Academy and I think Ben came to see you, Wallet. Did it? Ben. Ben came to see you. That's J. John's son. We've been doing it for 10 years. We're helping to 
um, build up the next Christian leaders in public life. And this is the tenth one. The first two were in Cambridge University, now Oxford University. A whole week, we take about 100 of you there. We bring the best minds in all the fields that you can imagine you're in. And they spend time with you with a week, pouring out into you how to stand boldly and firm as a Christian in your profession. And we are building an army of you now over 10 years. It's powerful that I don't go on TV as much anymore because some of the young people we've developed, they are now the voice on the issues. One of them is a young girl called Ruth, Lee, uh, Ruth Rawlings on abortion. She's on the news all the time. We don't, so I can go on because that's what we're doing. There's a park at the back about Wilberforce if you want to know more. Collect it there. The next one is in September, but through the year, we have refocus groups because we are investing in you. That week cost us about 200000 But we're ready to do it. Remember what I started with? Appreciation without substantiation is depreciation. If I say I appreciate your generation, I need to show it. And that's what we do. There's other books there on culture. Tap into it. But if there's one thing I want you to go away tonight is to know this. That creation is waiting eagerly for you to be revealed. That's how you think you are. So I finish by giving you my own OBE. Ordinary but extraordinary. That is your ordinary life speaks the extraordinary life of Jesus. And have confidence.